got a t-shirt with bloodstains all over it, maybe laundry isn't your biggest problem right now. <laughs> I remember the day the candle shop burned down. Everybody just stood around and sang happy birthday. And a security guard came over and said, you're gonna have to move, you're blocking the fire exit. As though if there was a fire, I wasn't gonna run. <laughs> You make love to the right woman. Johnny is beautiful, beautiful. I mean, the last time I made love to my wife, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Nothing was happening. I looked her, I saw what's the matter. Can't you think of anyone either? <laughs> I never learn, you know? Like a waitress will bring my meal. Hey, enjoy your meal, you too! But you don't have one, do you? I'm a doofus! If you do eat, enjoy when you eat it. If you have a break or something later, if you get an opportunity, that's all I'm trying to say. That's all that I'm driving at, really. Hello, welcome to Comedy Think Tanked, a podcast with Leonard Kimball and Nick Gordon, two comedians who know how to take a drink and have a thought. Sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy. Now, whether they're ready or not, here's your hosts, Leonard and Nick. Hello and welcome to Comedy Think Tanked Podcast. I am Nick Gordon and I'm here as always with my good friend Leonard Kimball. Hello, Leonard. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm doing well. Cheers on this fine afternoon. Yeah, I'm doing fine also, by the way. I said that. I asked that. I said, how are you? You did? Yeah. Oh, let's play back the tape. Yes, he was right there. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wow. All right. Sorry. I'm Uh, doing great. Technology. (laughs) Good. I'm glad to hear you're doing good. What are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking uh, Clear Cut India Pale Ale. Wait, is that IPA? Is there or is it Indian? It's not Indian Pale Ale. India. 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 I think so. All right. So uh, Clear Cut IPA from Island Dog Brewing in South Portland, Maine. Beauty. Yeah. Where we're going to have shows coming up. Yeah. Shout out to Island Dog Brewing. You. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Have... It's awesome. This is, one, this is my favorite beer there. Is it really? Yeah. Um, what's the first date? July 24th? <laughs> July. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse yeah, me. July. <laughs> July 24th. Yeah. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Be on the lookout, folks, for July 24th at Island Dog Brewing. You've been warned. South Portland. Mm-hmm. Um... Our guest on today's podcast was um, the one and only. Uh, you've heard the name before on this podcast several times. Oh my times. god! Yeah, about a thousand times. About a thousand times. People, people have have uh, talked about this guy, and we got him, uh, Tim Farrell. Tim Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a nice long chat with him, and I, I think there are probably like maybe fourteen people in all of Maine who have not taken. A stand-up <laughs> comedy workshop <laughs> with Tim Farrell. Yeah, he's he's the guru. He's the master when it comes to uh, stand-up comedy workshops. In my opinion, in my humble opinion, I took I've taken two stand-up workshops with him and a improv workshop. And oh, think, really? Uh, yeah, and I think you've done an improv, right? Or, no, I did. I did stand up with him. You did stand up with him? Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, a couple years ago. Nice. Yeah, yeah. He, I don't know, but he's he's got the formula. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, he's got he's got the formula. He um, 
He knows how, like he, he brings you in and, you know, you go, what do you go, uh, six, seven, eight weeks in a row on Monday nights or what have you uh, for a couple, three hours. And, and you, you're forced to write, you're forced to work out uh, what you think is funny. Right. And, and he helps you hone that into a five minute set. And it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Cause you know, uh, I think the same for you, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian of some sort and I went and I said, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you whatever it is. And, and I'll go into your, your, your workshop and, and, and work on, uh, some material. And hopefully I get to at least get a laugh at the end of it. And, and I got a laugh and much more out of it. So. Yeah. It's, it's good. Like to, to take some time to not just get together with friends, but actually get together in like a, a professional setting with mm-hmm. a professional workshop, you know, teacher, uh, you know, Don's got, Don Hartill has her class and Tim Farrell has her, has his class. Um, but when you, <clears throat> when you take some time to really commit to it and realize, like, yes, this is a this is a paid venture mm-hmm. I'm I'm on, and you've got six, seven, eight other comedians of you know varying, you know, uh, experience, uh, varied experience in the in the room, and we're, we're all there trying to help each other and get advice from people who know a lot about stand up comedy and yeah. the the different things that work on stage and can give you advice about, you know, for mm-hmm. rewording things and, you know, stage work and mic work and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Right at the beginning of the class, like the very first thing, you know, I, I recall is, 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 uh, him saying, okay, here's the microphone, here's the amp, here's the cord that goes to it. Here's your stool. Yeah. You know, when you get on stage as a new comedian, don't take the microphone out of the stand, like just leave it in there and <laughs> yeah. just talk into the microphone, position it. This is how you want to position it. So it actually points to your mouth. So People can hear what you're saying, yeah. and then, and then, like when you do get to the point of taking the microphone out, you move the stand out of the way, and then little <laughs> things like that. And it's like, oh wow! And then you watch comedy, you you know, go back and watch comedy after you do your first couple of workshop classes, and you're like, holy shit, that's yeah. the same exact thing. It's right. so simple. <laughs> <laughs> you watch like you know dozens of other comedians, and you realize like, oh yeah, they're all doing that the, that same that same things. motion, the yeah. same four little things that yeah. every comedian does on stage. <laughs> or about, I'll say like ninety nine percent of them do. On yeah. stage, take the mic out, move the mic stand out of the way, blah, yeah. blah blah blah, and then start putting it back in when you're about to be done, and like staying on stage and shaking hands it, and that, all, all that sort of stuff. It yeah. seems so simple, but you you have you have someone show you that and teach you that, and it's like that sticks with you, and you're like, oh wow, now I can be a stand-up comedian. Just <laughs> and that's really all it takes because once you learn how to, you know, what your voice is going to be and what you're going to write about and talk about, the, the rest is like little things like that, like just making yourself more presentable and yeah. professional. So yeah. it's really cool. I mean, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's definitely a benefit to doing workshops. Yeah, for sure. And I, one of the, one of the things I really like about workshops is I like giving advice to other comedians. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, again, I'm like, I'm still new to this and, and I like, I like seeing like, Oh, Hey, if you use this word or have you thought about go going this route with, yeah. with, with that, with that joke. And I think it'll be, I think it'd be good. And, and and to see like advice that you give to other, other, you know, new friends and seeing it work on stage, it's just, it's really like glorious in that moment. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I, I helped him do that I helped, joke. Yeah, I, I yeah. helped her do that joke. That's yeah. all. It's awesome. I, I, I love having had a piece of different people's uh, careers, air quotes, uh-huh. you know, yeah. like, like <laughs> saying like, oh, I gave him that tag or, or I gave him, you know, that idea for that joke or or actually, I actually wrote that joke. <laughs> it's pretty neat to it's pretty neat to see, and and I think everyone, especially in the tight knit community like we have here in Maine, uh, in the stand up community that we have in Maine, it's like 
it's really neat to see like other people succeed on you know with your help and such and yeah that happens through the workshopping process even even like informally you know just us like getting together over the course of the last year or so by zoom and you know every once in a while we are able to talk to each other in person and and have right. you know you know writing sessions or workshopping sessions outside of the structured setting of a, of a you know a paid workshop with a tim or a don or somebody like that <clears throat> i took an actually i took i took a workshop with tuck tucker now that i think about it stand up or yeah. improv stand up okay yeah i yep. took improv a couple times with 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 tuck yep okay so it's neat. It's neat when these guys who have been around the block for a while, and I mean, as you guys will hear, Tim, you know, he's been around a long while. He's 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 had his uh, he's had his uh, foot in the in the actual uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the business, the true the actual of, true oh. like New York City stand up. <laughs> yeah, right. Like he was there, man. <laughs> hey, man, he I was, was in, there. I was in the shit, man. You yeah, don't know. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> Bullets flying everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. But no, like 80, 1980s New York City. Like, I mean, I, I just can't believe it. That's, uh -huh. I mean, obviously it's believable, but <laughs> it's like, wow, that's so cool to have, to know somebody, to talk to someone who's, who was there. Right. Uh, it was an iconic time in the history of stand up. Right. For sure. In, in that place. So, um, but anyway, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's really good. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Have you ever, uh, you, you mentioned like giving someone a, a joke. Have you ever actually sold a joke to someone? Uh, I have not yet been paid for several jokes that I've written. That okay. I feel like now that I've written them and people are getting, people are getting good laughs on these jokes. Uh -huh. I mean, I can think of, I don't know, I want to say four or five. Oh, yeah? <laughs> different okay. time, different people that... Or different uh, jokes that are, are are working still to this day. That oh. it's like, oh, if I had just got twenty bucks for that, <laughs> <laughs> if I but, just had twenty bucks, I, I would have a full take of gas right now. Yeah, exactly. Like I'd, I'd have, I yeah. But <clears throat> uh, I, it's it's not something I ever I ever thought I was. I still even. Do you call yourself a comedian? Like, yeah, I think I do now. Okay. I mean, I, every once in a while, I'm just like, oh, I'm I'm not quite sure about yeah. that. Or so, but, like, I I. I I call myself a stand-up comedian now uh, after this long process that I've, I've been going through over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. But um, I still don't consider myself a good joke writer. So it's hard oh, for me to, to okay. say like, oh, I wrote that and that it, there's a value, like there's a monetary value to that. So maybe in the next few years, I'll start writing, you know, for other people and say like, I'm going to charge you, <laughs> uh, you know, $100 and you and I are going to sit and write jokes and then you're going to go perform them, uh -huh. and I'm never going to tell anyone <laughs> that you're doing things that I actually wrote for you, because you know it's hard. It's hard to do, well, and, and and not that my jokes are amazing or anything like that, but <clears throat> you know I, I think I. Well, well, and sometimes you're you're writing a joke that's that's for someone else's voice. Mm -hmm. Like I I I've 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 yeah. written I've I've had something come to my mind, and I was like that's that joke is not for me. Right. And so I've like messaged someone to say, I just thought of this while yep. I was in the car. And I like, I, I would never say this on stage. But, but you can. But, but hearing the things that you said on stage, yeah. I think like this is something you would say. And I think this is funny. So like use it if you want. Otherwise, you know, yeah, whatever, you know, no skin off my back. Maybe you... that's a business uh, model that we should get into. I don't know that it's necessarily <laughs> lucrative. <laughs> Well, for well, for all the money we're making with this podcast, <laughs> I don't. 
wish we had a bag of nickels like it just shake right now. People would be like, holy shit, they're actually making money. Well, that's a lot of nickels or a lot of beer caps. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. The the beauty of podcasting. We can do sound effects. Oh yeah, you know. Um no, but it it would be neat to it would be neat to have that opportunity to try to help somebody. And right. and much like Tim helped us and, and other people have helped us along the way. Uh, to be able to sit and kind of dissect and say like, oh, use this word, not that word, or what about this, or oh, oh, you know, what about this, and mm-hmm. you know, that'd be that'd be a fun process. So maybe someday we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, I think I think it'd be good to to organize something. Yeah. Um, but you know, I can't recommend enough uh, taking some comedy workshop, mm-hmm. uh, finding something local, yep. uh, finding something over Zoom if that works yep. as, as as well. Uh, and finding some professional to to give you advice, Not and sure. even when even when you're doing open mics, um, I did open mic on Zoom with one one person, um, and then messaged them later to say like, hey, can it, can you? Hey, here's the, the last clip I had. You have any advice for me? Yep. Um, so there are lots of comedians out there that are really generous with their time mm-hmm. as well, and know? they love it. They they love yeah the comedy. They want. You to succeed, yeah. And, and like uh, you know, the arcs, your success is the, is their success. Um, you know, I I feel that sort of way with uh, with with Mark Mark and um, Tuck and Don and the Portland Comedy Co-op with Connor and them. Like all those guys, any bit of success that happens, you know, in this community helps us helps us all. Yep, everyone right. Well, a rising tide lifts all boats. Ah. Oh, that's cool. You should write that down. That's pretty I think good. somebody else already has. Oh, okay. You, yeah. just, you can't get somebody to pay you for that? No, I can't. Oh, no. Oh, well. <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> but until that time, everyone, uh, why don't you uh, sit back and enjoy a nice conversation with Tim Farrell? All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Hey, Tim. How's it going? <laughs> Swell. <laughs> Just swell. Having fun yet? <laughs> You've been mentioned on our podcast uh, a bunch of times, and we're very happy to to be in your home and uh, talking to you. That's uh, finally. <laughs> Someone, someone's finally. made a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's some sort of uh, godfather of local comedy here. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, I think after you've been mentioned uh, like four hundred and thirty-two times, yet we have to actually sit down and talk with you and yeah. I, I probably have like two more workshops left of me because almost <laughs> everyone has taken at least one right so. but yeah i mean yeah. a lot of people we talk about talk to say like oh yeah i was in a temporal workshop yeah. and uh it's a, i'll tell you it's also right place right time when i moved back the comedy connection was starting to hit its stride and oliver was not opposed to me walking in there and doing what i did so it was a it was like a perfect storm and i built it from there i just built it up so when did you first start doing that teaching stand-up or working yeah. at the connection well okay let's, we got time to talk about both yeah so. okay <laughs> let's, let's go as far back let's go well far back. i own it it sounds so pretentious nobody just fucking goes oh i'm gonna start teaching stand-up comedy that's right. just fucking insanity that's <laughs> such bullshit i and i did not i didn't just oh, I'm gonna. It was a a weird process that I just sort of fell into, and that was the result of running a comedy club. Um, and I was responsible for the room, and eventually comics would walk off, and they'd want notes, and I was 
Uh, I liked giving notes. I understood how to give notes. Oh, okay, that's um, cool. And it, and it really helped the room. And then um, I, I started doing workshops, but they were writer's workshops. They were working comic workshops. And then somebody said, you know, I have friends that want to try this. <laughs> and sort of devised a program from there. I was one of the first people to start teaching stand-up in New York City. Really? I mean, oh. it was not. It was not a thing. It was not really? something. That, no. In fact, a lot of people are like, "What the fuck, Farrell? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we just come and do this. What year? What year was that? Like, um, I'm gonna. Oh gosh. Well, around about 80, 86, okay. 87. All right. Okay. I, the club I had was called Who's on First, and that was at 65th and First Avenue. So uh, down the street was Dangerfields. Yeah. And they were at 61st, and then Catch is up the street, and the comic strip is just a little farther up. Damn. So Catch we had, a rising star? Uh, yeah. Okay. So we were, a, we were a small club, showcase club. We were open seven days a week, and we became the place where you could come and work your shit out before you went to Catch or Dangerfield. Yeah. To, like, you just got to, a, an extra beat to like work yep. it through. So, so that's what we became known for. We were 70 seats. And mm. really, it was very, the space is very similar to the Comedy Connection. Yep. Intimate, postage, stamp size stage. Yeah. But um, we ran a really, like a really tight room. Um, and so it wasn't hard to sell out. Yeah. Some, on weekends, we do four shows. So, oh. anyway, like two then. Friday night, two Saturday? Or, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who did you work with? Uh, well, all right. Like how big of a team would you would you have needed uh, to to pull that off seven days a week? I only had one partner. Really? I mean, but, I mean, there was staff up. There was a restaurant upstairs. Yeah. So there's a lot a lot of the ministrivia we didn't have to deal with, like the booking and the of the of the room, yeah. not of, not the comics, but just reservations and all that. So it was sort of ran itself hmm. you know, on some level. Um, I I really learned really quickly. That seventy, if you put on a shit show, seventy people will walk out of that room and, <laughs> and go, they go out of their way to say, "Wow, don't go there." Interesting, but uh, as opposed to putting on a great show, like you get like people love to talk about bad shit. Yeah. So we we really like um, we were hyper focused on quality yeah. and keeping the room tight, which meant everybody, I don't care who you were, you're on the clock. Yep. And they, and we had a pretty good system for that, and a good punishment system too. So. Also, so so tight on time, but also tight in, on quality of the other yeah. I mean, comedians. It, yeah, I mean, we wanted. I mean, we were not. No one's walking in there doing 30, 40 minute sets. Mm-hmm. Everybody's okay. posting eight to ten, fifteen at the most, and you had to call and go look. This is what I've, you know, we'd wrangle with that because we really like that that our bread and butter was. You could see this a lot of comics. Yep. In an hour and a half, ninety minutes. So, okay. Um, but yeah, we the I I stood in the back of the room. I mean, I emceed for the longest time, and then I I finally realized that I had, there was more profit for me in the back of the room, making sure everything was running properly because this is too much to do. Right. And the up and down is just when you're really running an actual business. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 So, hmm. so so you were doing stand up yourself. Oh yeah, and, okay. I right. yeah I was really lucky when I when I moved to New York. Uh, I got in, into a show, a Naked Lunch, which ran for eight years. It was a play produced by Joseph Papp. So I had all this spare time on my hands. <laughs> and I eventually, I, 
I, I, I didn't screw up the courage. I'd been there a couple times, but I went to the comic strip. Uh, their protocol in those days was Monday, 10 a.m., stand in line, pick a number out of the bowl. There were only 10 numbers in there, and if there were 100 people in line, you know, so... You, oh, wow. Um, but uh, the second night I went, uh, Gilbert was on. Yeah, okay. And I, I'm sitting in the lobby, and uh, Gilbert comes in, and he goes to the bartender. He goes, switch shirts with me. <laughs> and the bartender's like, 10 feet tall. <laughs> so they switch shirts and he goes, give me those ice tongs. <laughs> and I, I've only heard his name. I haven't seen him. Yeah. And I'm on the list, but everybody gets bumped. Gilbert walked in. So I go in the back of the room and Gilbert goes on stage with a giant, oh, I need a tumbler of ice <laughs> with a little bit of water, just a, just a giant glass. And you can't really tell what he's saying. You hear it, maybe Vietnam vet, uh, <laughs> but he's, his taunt he's got tong hand (laughs) and he's flinging ice (laughs) and my eyes are so wide yeah and i'm just like you can do whatever you want yeah (laughs) if if you commit yeah like it was super wild it was frenetic and then he threw the tongs down and he had a meeting with the bricks in the wall Oh my God. Turned his back to the audience and said, we're, we're, we're animating now. <laughs> and he did 10 minutes with the bricks. Holy shit. And then he walked off. Like, not <laughs> yeah. even like good night. Just. Oh. What, what was the reaction from the crowd? Oh. <laughs> now, now please welcome an open micer. <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, that, seeing that, because it was just. I'd seen stand-up, very, the very, you know, bam, yep. bam. Yep. But seeing someone fling it like that with such abandon, yeah, it's extraordinary. And it was eye-opening right away. Did, did, did you, at that moment, did you crave more for yourself? Or, or did you think, like, I need to be involved in this, but as, as a peripheral person, not as a performer? I was stoked. I, like, I, yeah. I saw potential. Yeah. I saw potential. Because two weeks later, I, I did get my number. Yeah. And I had a, I had a, a four-minute set. And at the last second, my friend uh, Steve DeSil came with me. He had brought a gorilla mask. <laughs> he said, like, dare you to fucking wear the mask. <laughs> I did. And you did because you'd seen Gilbert two I, weeks I did. before. So the guy who ran the, co- the, the comic strip, his name is Lucian Hold. He's yeah. passed away. He's one of the most famous club owners in the country because yeah. he's another guy that ran the room and promoted comics. Like A lot of comics will talk about him. Anyway, I went up and did my thing. It, did, it made no sense because the content had nothing to do yeah. with the gorilla mask. The gorilla mask. And most of it was about, I had heard a commercial about the circle line and it was just a commercial for the circle line, the boat that goes around yeah. Manhattan. And uh, it just kept saying that they had snacks and beverages were available. <laughs> and so my bit was just really about running that commercial, but just putting snacks and beverages available 40 times in there. And it got, you know, it's like one of those, like the first time you've done something like it yeah. just killed but the fuck a gorilla mask. No one knows the mega. <laughs> so I get on lobby and I take it off. I'm just sweating. Oh, yeah. And Lucian walk, walks over to me and I go, Oh God, this is, you know, don't come this back. <laughs> he goes, come back next week. Wow. Sands the mask. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, yeah, I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad. <laughs> And I wonder though if you hadn't had the mask on. If, I don't. You know I, what I mean. I have no idea. Yeah. But I, I, it was. You know what? I think it was like 
the 10 bucks is what it was. Yeah. It was, I was not making a lot of money yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. Who else did you run into uh, during that time that, you know, people would know? I mean, obviously. Uh, well, that was everybody. Everybody. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know where to, I, would, I wouldn't know where to begin. I could tell you who worked at my club, and I could t- t- tell you who took workshops from me. Yeah. Um, but. Well, I mean, you know, people, 1980s, you know, people think, well, Jerry Seinfeld and yes. all these other names and whatnot. Yes. And everyone's kind of coming up together. And now you look back and you say, like, these people are just humongous. And yeah. But obviously, there's all these other people. You know, same thing here in the local yeah. scene. There's, oh, I'll give you the example. Yeah. Well, everybody else was just, like, kicking ass yeah. and crushing. Ray Romano was still in the trenches. Yeah. But he never... He had a bank job. He worked at Citibank. Yeah. I watched this guy like just grind it out. And he <laughs> like, it took forever for that guy, but he never, never gave up, never gave up. And, yeah. and, and literally like, like all these guys around him, boom, boom, they're all, especially going to LA. Yeah. Ray was, the, he was the last one though. Wow. Um, Larry, I wouldn't say he's the biggest now, but you know, he's definitely a household name. Yeah. 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 This is incredible. You 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 would have worked with him. You would have been. He took an improv workshop. Yeah. Uh, when I, uh, Lucian hired me for the comic strip to. He said, "I want to put have an improv company, with stand ups. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you could pull out? Oh man, stand ups are the worst improvisers. But yeah, I'll see what, <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he did. He did it. He came in for a couple. It wasn't his. Yeah. It wasn't his thing. at all. Okay. But there are a lot of other. Chris Rock did it for yeah. a little while. That's cool. Uh, John Stewart, I had in a stand-up class. I yeah. did not have him in improv. So. Yeah. How was he? He was great. He also smoked Marble Red. So, I, like, I had a. <laughs> this is back in the day. Yeah. Like, when he'd walk through, oh, God, I know I'm going to have a Marble Red now. <laughs> he was. Um. He. Uh. It's interesting. I think John was a much better sit-down mm-hmm. comic. Well, he behind know, the desk. He did make but it. That he was, but yeah. here's the thing: uh, when you're li- that likable that early, yeah, because a lot of it's just this persona thing. And if you're that likable and you're not really like spitting out the a shit, yeah, and still the room is like, like we, we can put up with this guy, yeah. right? We still yeah. want to yeah. listen to this guy. Chris Rock's a really good example. I watched Chris Rock at the comic strip for two years. He, his parents are driving there. He's like 15. Wow. And but Lucian kept putting him up because he could see it. And he like some of it was okay. Yeah. But he you, but there was something about him and you couldn't quite figure it out because he was wasn't really hitting. Yeah. But damn, it just like something's hey, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of it was just he was so freaking young. Yeah. Adam Sandler was another one. Yeah. Holy Christ, I watched some really <laughs> shitty stuff from him. <laughs> but but he would always go, but I'm a nice Jewish boy. And like, like he had that already. Yeah, um, yeah. And people loved him. Huh. Loved him. I was in the room the night. Eddie Murphy was already in LA and he had an entourage at this point. Cause he, he, the comic strip was his home for a long time. Yeah. So there's a giant stretch limo out, out in front of the strip. And I walk in and there's like, I'm not kidding. Two guys in giant fur coats. And it's like August <laughs> oh, Jesus. and, and, and Eddie, and the two guys are white. And one guy looks like Ric Flair. Like he had like, <laughs> you know, that really that wild, big grip. Yeah. Like, well, Chris Rock is on to, and they've arranged a special showcase. Uh-huh. Uh, Eddie's in the back of the room watching it. And it's funny when like, Eddie Murphy stands in the back of the room, like the whole room, like 
Because all the comics stand in the back, and all the comics like go, eh, they all like, <laughs> <laughs> gotta give him space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and Chris, he did like 10 minutes. It was okay. Yeah. People were more like, it was anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, and then you watched business in the lobby. Like there was a huddle, and then they like they all got into the limo, and there was more. Like and then the windows rolled down. You see some come over. They were doing business in in the limo. So two weeks later, uh, Chris Rock they flew him out to L.A. and he was the bus boy in. Oh yes, uh, no. He's, he was parking cars. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. what oh. movie is it? Uh, oh, um, it's it's a Murphy vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't oh, think geez. of it now. But that's, if, you, if I knew you were going to talk about that, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. sorry. We'll, fi- we'll, we'll fix we'll it in post. post. Yeah, we'll fix that in post. <laughs> fix it in no, post. but I, I think I think everyone um, there's a there's a documentary uh, that outlines this. It's on Amazon on Amazon Prime. But what was the? It had to be an Eddie Murphy movie. It was an Eddie Murphy movie. Um, Oh, wait, what? 48 hours, was it? All right, what was the one where they're rich and poor? Oh, that trading was places. Trading Places, yeah. Oh, no, it couldn't have been no. that. No, no, it, it was, it was a, a Beverly. Cop. It was Beverly Hill. It had to be Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop, I bet yeah, you it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and Eddie and Eddie's right. driving like a, a, right. a dump truck or, or yeah. a cement truck. Right. And Chris is, has right. to park the right. Park the truck. And oh. it's, he's got a, he gets a line in it. Yeah. So he, they took him out then just to put him on, like, they That's put crazy. him in the movie. It was really it was more about putting him on stage consistently. And a few weeks, a few weeks prior to that, he was doing his first ten minute spot at the comic strip. It's like, well, not not literally, but, but he, like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it was all like Lucian saw it, yeah. And Lucian was, you know, brought Eddie to the game, and I'm sure there was all this. A lot there was a lot of conversations. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, and you were in the room. Yeah. That's... What was crazy was like the watching them do business yeah. at the bar, a couple tables over, and then out to the limo. This like and now like we're all like, I'm not going home. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta see how this ends. <laughs> and then the windows have rolled down, people were talking, and then they come out and they're back in. Oh man. And then we did, but little like a couple days later, Chris is gone. That's crazy. That's great. Uh did you know uh, uh Dennis Wolfberg? Yes. Now my Dennis Wolfberg story is, uh, when I first saw him, he definitely, half his set was guitar and music. Oh, interesting. And um, he was really loved. He yeah. was really loved. And then all of a sudden, I was watching him, and he had the guitar, and he wasn't doing anything with the guitar. <laughs> Just brought it on stage. I've always Did, dreamed of doing that. <laughs> I, and this went on for six months, and Lucian finally said, Hey, Dennis. <laughs> Get rid of the guitar. Get rid of the gorilla mask. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you're right. I'm not. Yeah. That guy passed away bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sad story. Um, but that was another one. Like, he was a, I think he still had his day job when I first saw him. He was teaching school yeah. and like, the, I mean, so all his material was about teaching yeah. in the Bronx. Teaching yeah. tough, tough kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, man. that's a good one. Yeah. No, thank yeah. you. I, I, I don't know, student of comedy. <laughs> yeah, he was he was one of the early stables at uh, stables at the. Uh, but I I always think about people like him that have that have that uh, interesting inflection, something about them and his voice. Yeah, he had the best mm-hmm. voice, and you, yep. it was unforgettable. That was his. And how he would scrunch and, up his oh, face. And, get all worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think to yourself, as as a as a fan, as somebody watching comedy, you think like, how is, is this how that person really is, like day to day, and. 
nine times out of ten, no. Yeah. You know. Uh, I, I'm I'm impressed that you that you you got Dennis Wolfberg well, in there. Thank you. All right, podcast is over, guys. Nick's <laughs> <laughs> pretty impressive. No, wait, I, I think we could I think we could talk about you know uh, the history of stand up comedy for for hours uh, on end. And, and I know, you know. I, I didn't go on too much about it. No, no, no. It's it's perfect. That's kind of why we're doing this whole thing. Uh, so then you came to Maine, um, uh, or or is yeah. there more in between? Like so. We all know you uh, as a stand-up teacher, yeah. But so you started doing that down there in New York, and, yeah. And working with these guys, I got involved. I also was. Uh, I, I worked for Comedy Central for a little while okay. because I was around when the Ha Channel, the Comedy Channel merged. Mm -hmm. So and there were like eight people. <laughs> <laughs> so I work. I got to work on the Alan Havy show. I got to work with Scott Carter, who then he produced. He just quit Bill Maher. He did oh, wow. Bill Maher for the last whatever. Yeah. Nine thousand years, quite a long time, yeah. Um, uh -huh. So I, I got to do that. Um, what was I don't know how, where did I just go? Well, Comedy Central. Comedy Central. The, the, oh, the so of oh that so that, again, like I like people like Joe uh, Joe Bolster. Like we got all of a sudden people were getting opportunities. Like Joe Bolster, sort of created a little mini sports program within there, which ended up like like ESPN eventually grabbed up Bolster. Wow. Nick Pakai, mm -hmm. who was Alan Havy's uh, sidekick on the Nick Pakai, on the uh, Alan Havy show that I worked on, Nick Pakai, like, bam, he he got all these kind of hits. They they were both like sports, comedy sports guys. Yeah, uh, they, and they they got out and they made a ton of money. Um, I came my uh, I grew up in Chicago. I'm a Second City kid, and mm -hmm. I had two friends that went there, and they. Th when I moved to New York, they threw a dart at the map. Like I'm not kidding. They, they were madly in love and let's be adventurous. And it landed between Boston and Portland and Tom Anderson of Abrams and Anderson. Now let's try Portland. So they moved up here when I moved to New York. Wow. And, oh, okay. and so they were, Google them. I don't know if you can even find it, but they mm. were like the only thing in town. They were improv duo yeah. were second city train and they were just killer. Huh. to duo yeah um so they were running this place up here but i was good friends with them so that was my connection like I, people's express was like 25 dollars. like they used to have these like new year's eve portland shows yeah. and so they just call me and go you want to come up here and cause trouble so that's how i started to get to know portland yeah fucking awesome yeah uh, and then there was like the those summer festivals i would come up to perform for those mm -hmm. um then I started, I, I did a couple of workshops. I met a girl. Uh -huh. um, and then I realized that uh, I, want, we were, I wanted to start a corporate entertainment company, Laughing Stock, yeah. which, that this was the place to, to do that as opposed to like New York. Right. Just, so the operating costs. Far so, lower. So we built it, we built it here. Uh, our first real big gig was LL Bean, yeah, and that's where we learned to customize mm -hmm. because we had two weeks before that show. It was just improv. We're gonna do a forty-five minute after dinner show for LL Bean, their executives. Okay, and we had time on our hands, so we started looking at the catalog, and, <laughs> and then we called the person who hired us. And we started asking questions. So the time we got to the show, like every time we said the ugly boot, <laughs> like they're only gonna. So we we figured out how to do customized improv for yeah. corporations across. So we were like this Fortune 500 entertainment entity, but we ran it out of here. Yeah. Um, but then 
everything was on the West Coast. So I moved everybody out to Tucson for yeah. four years. That was a horrible. Oh. It was. It was not. It was like unbelievable. The business part of it. Sure. But my daughter got on the phone one day and said, uh, "You know, I can count to ten now." <laughs> I don't know who you are. Speaking though. in full sentences. <laughs> and I understand you're not coming home for another nine days. <laughs> put your mother on yeah so, uh, <laughs> we'll figure this out so, and so i it was like because uh, i had kept working connections in new york i was doing some odd jobs there I said let's just go back to portland and call it yep so we bought this yeah nice yeah what year was that 19 i have no idea i have no yeah. idea <laughs> uh i can almost do it for you because uh we moved back because this house is i think it's 18 Mm-hmm. It might be. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, Karen Morgan should know. Karen Morgan, we'll, we'll ask her. Yeah. <laughs> Part two of our interview with Karen. Yeah. Uh, what is Tim's life? <laughs> <laughs> so you came back here, and and the and the comedy connection uh, was was already up and running, or did you were you integral in the? I I there? was a, when I had left the comedy connection was working out of like Doc Four or something, or it was in mm-hmm. an odd space. George was like it. And when I came, they were talking about that space. When I came back, it was done. Yeah. And the porthole was done. Yeah. And if the porthole wasn't there, I don't think Comedy Connection really would have existed. But yeah. And Oliver was so busy with Bob at that point. Yeah. And he was trying to work the room at the same time. Um, and I just made, I just went in and look, I just need a place to teach. And in exchange, I'll give you graduation shows. I'll sew those out. Yeah. And I'll split them with you. Yeah. And he went, okay. <laughs> okay. Sold. And after a couple of those, he's like, wow. This works. Well, it, all of a sudden we had a bunch of comics. Yeah. And because we were only, we, they were only doing Friday and Saturdays, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. And then Thursday was like a sh- a fake showcase that they would bring the headliner in mm-hmm. to do radio on Friday and Thursday. Um, and then I just saw the, all this, like, I, I know how to run a room. I know how to corral comics. I know how to evaluate them. I know how to put them on stage yeah. and not have them hurt the room or hurt themselves. So I finally went to Oliver. I said, we can, I think we can expand on the showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were like, we were burning out on the three people that could. Like, right. Um, and, I, and, and that worked. And then we moved to Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And then we had a Tuesday and then we had a Sunday Wow, and it was exhausting, but I was exciting. I know. Cause yeah. I like, I had to be there. Like you can't, you cannot not be there. Right. The minute you think you can't be there is when something, Oh, happens. that's when the fucking shit will happen. Yeah. We've, so learned, we've learned that it was, a, it was, a, <laughs> it was a great relationship. Yeah. And then, uh, Oliver said, do you want to take the room over and book everything? He said, I said, well, you got to give me a title or something. So I was like, <laughs> He's going to pay me a couple bucks. I said, so talent coordinator and talent develop. I was already talent development, so yeah. talent coordinator. So he gave me carte blanche because there were no women headliners. Mm-hmm. And in my head, when he said that, I was like, okay, slow, slowly, <laughs> I'll, I'll work on this. Because yeah. there are some great women who should, should be headlining. Yeah. But unfortunately... And then Oliver's not the only one. Tits won't close my show was the mantra. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. And I kept trying. Like, and I kept getting shot down. And finally, I just went ahead and did it. 
and I wish I could remember. I'll come to the name. Like who you first had. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, it's going to come to me. But this is where Bob Marley totally like showed up at the right time. I am squared off with Oliver in his office. Ooh. And like he's standing up with his hands on his hips, and I got my hands on my hips. <laughs> I want to say Lisa Landry. No, no. Mm. No, no. Yeah, Lisa Landry. Okay. And Bobby walks in, all jokey, and Oliver goes, do you know fucking Lisa Landry? And Bobby goes, yeah, she's awesome. Oh, oh nice. Oh, perfect timing. <laughs> There's a win for Tim. So, there you go. <laughs> so she headlined, and she killed. Yeah. She killed. So that, finally, so like people like Kelly McFarlane. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Sherry, the, and then Karen, you know. Karen, of course. Well, yeah. Karen, but, Oliver had a thing, like he, like, they butted heads because of the other thing that Karen was doing. And Oliver just wanted everyone's action. That yeah. was the thing. You're going to be in my house and you do other stuff. I get a piece of your action. It was a very little hmm. bit of comedy mafia going on over there. So, so how do you, how do you say like uh, no women headliners, but, but I assume he's seen female comics like his or he, like, I, I am not kidding. It's so old school. And it, it, the best he can do to offer up for you, Leonard is men get distracted. Oh, uh, okay. It's really old school. Okay. It's so close to Jerry Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's just, okay. but he, I, I think he still believes that. Like wow. it's a really, it, and it, he's not the only one. Okay. I mean, I mean, if, if in New York, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a hard fight for women. Judy gold. We love putting her on. My God. Yeah. You know? Susie Essman, she was another one. We'd love putting her on. Um, but trying to come up with names too, but there's, the boy, there's a but lot the, of people. That... Oh my god! But the boys' club was really strong back then. Yeah, really yeah. Okay. So, like, if you went to catch and you for a, a, a you know a showcase night, eleven comics, maybe you saw Elaine Boozler and mm -hmm. one other. Like it was, if you were lucky, two. Yeah. Otherwise, it was all yeah. men and yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and mostly white men. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 uh, it's a, it's the truth of it. Yeah. Yep. But uh locally uh here you've you've helped create the scene and and now, you know, some 20 uh, years later, uh what do you think of the scene that we have going on now? I mean, obviously we're coming back out of this yeah. pandemic shit, but Um golly, guys. <laughs> I I'm going to start with that I I have a huge respect for anybody. Yeah. Who gets on stage? As long as they respect it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if Empire is the answer. I think this 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 town could use a club, mm -hmm. a, a real club. Yeah. Because I think what what I think all the work that all of you are doing is f super important. Like just to keep people. Out of trouble. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> but, but I also fear like all the bad habits that form mm -hmm. when, and I mean, I, I know you know what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, when the inmates run the asylum totally, like it's very hard to manage because mm -hmm. it's like it becomes insular. Like it's hard to give notes to your fellow comedians. Yep. It's hard to get people to watch the clock it's all, all, that discipline yeah. and, and then also who's who's really giving notes right because like you told a pretty good story the other night which is 
the thing about having the crib notes and somebody just taking it out of your hand. Oh, that'll, that's a good. That's a good call. That's like a comic looking out for another comic in a kind of a safe way. Like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. no, the word's not going to get out. You know what I mean? <laughs> no one, no one got hurt. Yeah. Um, and then these venues drive me crazy also because a lot of these venues that you're working, they're kind of whip and chair venues for me. Yeah. Their exercises is a distraction. I think so. I, I'm happy that you, everyone is out there. I worry about the discipline of it itself. Mm-hmm. I just wish we had a real club yep. where you, you could build up the muscle in a more practical way and also get that discipline yep. that's necessary. Because I don't think anyone's going, hey, you don't, please don't run that tonight. Right. No, no, no. It's I whatever. Mean, it's, yeah. Because that's a, I mean, that's the hardest part of the job too. Okay. I put this show together. Yep. Um, and I know all you fuckers. Yep. What are you running tonight? What yep. are you running tonight? Running tonight. I love you all. Yep. Dude, you run that every fucking night. Right. There are nine people in the audience that yep. saw you two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now audiences yeah. do find comfort and repeat, but they do. I, I'm. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I every time I've seen Bob Marley, uh, you know, he, he could do the same stuff, and it's just funny, anyways. Right. You know, our, our good friends, you know, Johnny and and, and Tuck we've talked to um you know they have a solid 20 minutes and i've told them both i love it because i know what's coming next but i still laugh but you know other people and i think because the opportunities aren't tremendous it is hard to like Mm -hmm. stay on top of your game Mm -hmm. and then when you walk into a room you go oh my god what a hot audience you look and go oh I can't do this. Oh, I can't man. do this. I'm going back to what I. <laughs> I want to make them at laugh. Least, yeah, let me... at least like take take your closer and put it in as your opener. Right? Oh, so just take. Come on, and then take do something. The... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys, nobody get like you don't get shot after the show. Like it's not. Oh really? That's no, good. I That's don't. Good to know. There are not industry people in the audience, you motherfuckers. Come on. No one's no, no one's getting a break tonight. No. <laughs> They don't come with the contract. Here, sign here. Here's a pen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, <laughs> um, yeah. That's a but good, I think that's there's always, lesson. like, I don't know, like, there's always going to be workshops. Like, there's yeah. always going to be people that are going to want to try it. Yep. Right. You talk uh, about giving notes. Yeah, no one's giving notes about it. So what's your, what's your philosophy? How's, how do you work your workshops? Like, what, what's, what's, like, your sort of, your end goal, I guess, like, when you actually have people taking your workshops? Well, I start with the five. I, I feel like the program is engineered. I can get f- five minutes out of just about anybody if you work with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you'll surrender. But it takes, <laughs> it takes that. And it's not just three hours on a, a Monday. It's you live with this thing. You guys know. Oh, yeah. um, especially like with Nick, like that we have to start engineering calls halfway through this thing. So it's not just three hours on a Monday. Yeah. But I, I try to get everybody to just be really self-indulgent the first like three weeks, mm-hmm. just big brain dumps. I don't want anyone trying to craft comedy. Yeah. I want people to tell, write their stories. This is what drives me crazy. This is what I love. My uncle, my family, my work. Have you ever noticed? I can't yeah. stand birds. <laughs> At, whatever. And then just come in and you know this. Yeah. The biggest part is just getting people to just go, all right, I'm going to fucking go up here. I'm going to read from my notebook and yeah. I'm just going to do that. I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to put a bunch of commentary in. I got work <laughs> okay. to do, guys. You got to do some So the first three weeks is just like rip and read. And I am just taking notes ferociously. If you got a good group, and usually it works that way. Yeah. 
there are people in that room that see stuff that I, I don't know at all, but that's the beauty of the workshop. Like people start to see, yeah. wow. You get to know each other. Well, yeah, but you start to see stuff that works for somebody else. Yep. You know, it's a, that's a great process. And some of these groups, holy cow. <laughs> I mean, it's like, there's a really great give and take. Yep. So, um, and then somewhere, you know, towards the latter part, we start to commit start to put it in order. And then you got to, and then the other, you know, that, that weird transition, get it off the page, try to yep. get it, make it come. It's got to be conversational. It's got to sound like it just, I'm just talking to you guys. I'm just, yeah. I'm just I, talking. I didn't memorize this. And then <laughs> I regurgitated it. No. It's a lot to ask. It it's is a lot to ask. Yep. And I, and it's set up, you know, it's for an invited audience, but I think that's so fucking treacherous. I never, tell anybody that but you invite your friends and family yeah they have the highest expectations of anybody if we brought in strangers you'd be better off. oh way better off but, because yeah but the reason i think it works so well is that you invite your friends and they come and all your all the other people in the workshop those are there like a bunch of strangers seeing you work that's true yep so yeah, yep. yeah. i that think there's good. a and when you did it over here at the at the at the mad horse the two times that i did it with you um, what a great space you provided oh. with, with, you know, the way it was set up and, you know, yeah. you felt like you were actually in a comedy club yeah. in New York city. And yeah. well, that black know. box does yeah. like with the curtains and you can yeah. focus the lights and yeah. Yeah. Um, transforms you in that moment. If you never do it again, yeah. you're a comedian for right. that five right. minutes. Right. Cause I, uh, the weirdest one I ever had, I think Turcotte was in that one. Mm-hmm. It was, I did at the asylum Oh, geez. After one of the renovations. Yeah. This is what it was, just a giant, like, football stadium. <laughs> yeah. oh. And uh, I had, I don't know how I did this, but I had a Monday and a Tuesday. I had, like, tw- 25 people total, two full groups, Monday and Tuesday. Lucky I had that place. Yeah. It's called the Sun Outs Aura, yep. or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Graduation show, they, they set up the whole, there were eight tops across the whole dance floor and that giant stage there. Yeah. Did you see it? With yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Giant like sound monitors, like cut off your feet, half yep. your body. Yeah. Well, I fucking think it was sold out. So there's like 500 people. Holy shit. But it's not like, that's not good for comedy. Not for first timers. Well, <laughs> not if you, because you could see Yeah. like we, there was no screens or anything. There was no projection. Yeah. So like the first three rows, you could kind of figure out what people were doing. You could hear it, but yeah, like it's huh. it's just like that intimate is always the better shot. Empire's sweet now. It, it, it is nice. It's got yep. a, the stage is well yep. lit and it's it it feels relatively intimate. We're we're very hopeful that that can oh god yeah that, that holds around, like fifty sixty people. What's well, I think, I think I a maximum maybe yeah. I don't. It's it, got that open floor. Like, I don't I don't know what the load limit is. I know they could get. I did one in there. I did a graduation <laughs> show in there when Billy Umble owned that place. And I'm, they almost called the fire department but, <laughs> because they ran out of chairs. Yeah. So that so now uh, it's a graduation show where it's 120 degrees. Yeah. And I have 15 graduates, <laughs> and oh I can't God. go like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick up they the don't, pace. They no. don't know. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, they're like, we're gonna get shut down. Let's go. Hurry up. Or worst, worst case, you know, the floor is gonna cave in on the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would if you if you if you could build your dream comedy club, would it 
be similar to uh, you know a comic strip or a comedy connection. I'd, be, or, I, I, I'd take the blueprint from the comedy connection. Would you? Yeah. If you got that's like 70, 70 seats. What what was it? Uh we could do a hundred and ten. Hundred and ten. But it's more than the number of seats. It's it's about how that room it was a, is laid out. It, and, oh, okay. Yeah. If just, I mean, I could draw it for you, but it's mm-hmm. basically just a classic box. Yep. But tiered really beautifully, and then. The, the two tops and then the long ten tops yeah. coupled together. The the there was like not a the sight lines were perfect yeah. in there. There was not a bad seat. There may be a couple of ass two seats right on yeah, the periphery, yeah. right? But there were. It was a. I mean, so many comics when they wanted to record East Coast comics would call us up and go, "Can I can I grab a weekend? Can I I I want to record." Wow. And we would try to do that. We would try to accommodate that because it was good for us. Yeah, sure. To oh, be yeah. known, but I something about the and and it was low ceiling. Yep. Low too. ceiling. So that was one I was a room where the, like if one person laughed, like a really hearty laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know that enabler. Yeah, right. That's awesome that moment it would like, pop off the rest yeah. of the room. Yeah. Yeah. How high was that stage? Was it like maybe oh, a foot? And it was like half a foot. Half a foot? It, was yeah. tiny. it was insane. We could yeah. get, well, like I can remember like a graduation of curtain calls or <laughs> 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 it's just a horseshoe, you know, <laughs> and improv. We would do improv with like eight, nine people on Jesus. there. I know. And you just like Tuck. Yep. But Tuck, who's like the most physical improviser. And this other guy, Rich Davis, who would launch himself into the audience and hope. <laughs> But people would, like, if you did improv on that stage, people were fucking impressed. Yeah, I bet, yeah. You had it was have, tight. You had to have control, though. You couldn't just... I, 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 one of my, not regrets, but, you know, obviously, timing-wise, timing I just couldn't do it. But I, I wish I could have performed there at least once. Because yeah. I remember going to shows and being like, this is amazing. Yeah. I have to do yeah. this, you know. So, you know, it just yeah. it just got that feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way you would come in, too, where, the, where it was separate doors to get into the actual yeah. uh, you know, uh, performance area. And you could go out to get a drink, and oh, it was yeah, it was set up. Those doors, you could, man. I took both my arms to open those doors. They were these <laughs> gi- gi- glass doors, so yeah, you could uh-huh. see and a giant picture window. But the bar was like you couldn't hear what was going on no, in the room. No. It was so well insulated. Yeah. So it's so like it was perfect setup. The fact that the bar, you could see what was going on in the room. Mm-hmm. The giant glass doors. Yeah. Uh, I dreaded the contest. That was the only time I did not like that room. Oh, really? Oh, God. <laughs> Do you not like contests in general or just like I, one particular um, contest? I think comedy's hard enough. I get why contests exist. They, they're they really good for clubs. Uh-huh. Not good for comics, but they're really great for clubs. They're, they generate a ton of money. Yep. Okay. Uh, fist holding cash. Yep. But... I'm not a fan of it. It's arbitrary. Give me a break. Yep. And then who's judging? Yeah. Like, you know what would drive me crazy? Like, the, all the like little, little rounds where people are working so hard and like yeah. you have the right people judging. Like, yeah. And then you get to like the fi- semifinals. It's like, eh, all, all the way from MGX Radio. <laughs> Never been here before. <laughs> Just have like it's just like an well let's have an audience judge that it's just yeah. I don't know. I I am reluctant to say I'm involved in the uh, I, upcoming I, I'm sure you competition are competition and uh, I'm sure you, you are know, I'm not looking forward to it at all I just like <laughs> I I I, it, it, I don't know sometimes there's hurt feelings yep. and yep. I you know, you know on any given day you're funnier than another person but yep. 
I get why they exist. I, 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 I would fight Oliver on them, but I just, they generated. And you know, part of the problem was, is that I was so entrenched with these, all these people that I had brought to the game. Yep. And, and all of a sudden I'm running, I'm like, I'm the face of the contest. And now you got to yeah. do a contest where, where you, and you, I, you got to break all their hearts. I, yeah. Right. And, truth, and, or, truth or right. wrong, like you might be part of judging them now. Well, I, oh, I never. No, but, no, but I'm the saying perception. Like, but the, oh, the, yeah. the perception. Oh, I would just. You're, you're part of the, yeah. the judging. No, no, I made it really. <laughs> you made it really clear. <laughs> as clear as I could, but still, yeah. it's just like, it was more about why aren't you yelling at him? Because he, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, hurt feelings more than, more than anything. So. Okay. People okay. don't behave normally in contests. Other No, there's any a, competition, really. There's a weird behavior that comes out. Yep, yep. I mean, the worst one I ever saw was when somebody won. Mm-hmm. And, and just pushed everybody else off the stage. Oh, come on. Like, Jesus. it wasn't gracious. <laughs> like, you could just feel it. Uh, like, it's sort of like we were talking about with Victoria. Like, if you could just go, hey, hey I'm pretending to thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I get why they exist. So, uh, I know with the Comedy Connection has been closed for some years here in Portland. What's the story there, if you can tell us? Uh, how, what happened? Um. Well, the recession, definitely. Okay. That, I mean, you, you, you can't get around that. Yeah, 2008. Right. Yeah. So our, and as the Comedy Connection went, the porthole, they went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bobby was the straw that stirred the drink. Yeah. So if, like, if you're worried about Bobby, you're going to start worrying about the Comedy Connection. Yeah. And if you're worried about the porthole, you're going to start worrying about the Comedy Connection. So slowly but surely... Like little things started to drop off. Like mm-hmm. I, I always know the, the tells are always like, oh, we're getting rid of all the glasses. And now we're gonna have <laughs> p- plastic. You know what I mean? Like this it, isn't good. This yeah. is the little the solo cup. The little <laughs> things. And uh, uh, you know what? Let's try. Let's try and book Tony V again. Uh-huh. You know, like I love Tony V yep. and Jimmy Dunn. They're so awesome. Yeah. But you can't put Tony V on twice in a month. Right. right. So that and then. Bobby's stretched, so you can't get that Bobby weekend in there. That would always yeah, yeah, always sell. And day. then, and then it rained an entire summer, so the deck. Yeah. Yep. Then the then they fired somebody at the port. Then the rats. The rats so, is what I always heard. Well, then, oh, yeah, you're going in the wrong order though, because yeah. like it, the the pier needed work, mm-hmm. and there wasn't money, mm-hmm. so the work wasn't getting done, and that work directly affected what was like the road issue like it all was there were rats oh, yeah. uh, there were rats in the porthole <laughs> okay it, this is on the waterfront like yeah. on the water yeah. It, oh yeah. okay it was and then rats. basically what <laughs> happened was um uh and this what happened was a couple of business people decided to behave like business people mm-hmm. and just let it Gonna run it into the ground and see what the fuck yeah. happens. So the yeah. health department came in and shut the porthole down, mm-hmm. and then the comedy connection, and that hurts. Yep. And then the word got out. Yep. So even though we reopened, there was a huge shift, and I just went <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> and and they tried, and yep. I tried to help yep. them transition, but it just got really fucking sad in there. And then it's like I walk in, and like Rich Pickford, who I love, mm-hmm. like he's running everything and i go who's that guy he goes oh that was a like a we used to have this guy his name was felon al <laughs> felon he was a real kid 
But then they all of a sudden, who's that guy? Goes well, that's actually a felon <laughs> that they hired because he'll work for eight dollars an hour. Oh, so you did the yep. whole thing just went down. All the, all the pieces came into yes. place for destruction. And o- Oliver just hung on to Bob, yeah, and managed to and got rid of the porthole. Yeah, okay, and got it, got out of that. So he survived. Mm. He survived. Bobby and he. Oh, they're still doing well. Oh, are you kidding? My God, are you kidding? No. I saw the other day we were talking about watching Bob Marley, so prolific. But mm-hmm. every time someone watch, because he's got a, he posts every day. Yep. Oh yeah. You know, you look at nine hundred seventy shares. Yep. Ten thousand. You know, but I did like I do the math, and that is, if you just do like conservative, like two percent of these people clicked on the website mm-hmm. and bought, because mm-hmm. at least one person buys a DVD every day. Yeah. His his merch is out the door. Yep. Yep. Oh, nice. When, sure. uh, that's the thing Oliver figured out really yep. quickly. Yeah, I was going through my CDs the other day. I've got like ten Bob Marley CDs. I was like, I don't even know how I got these. I think so, <laughs> sometimes they yeah. they would they book I, they would book contracts and I kind of scrunched my face because I understood the numbers. Yeah. And you see these low ball contracts come through, and then you realize, holy shit, the merch that they agreed to, mm-hmm. you know, before and after, they make more money on merch sometimes. Yeah. They get hundred percent of that, right? I mean, I don't know who I don't know what the split is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, in their favor, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, with the comedy connection closing, did you still keep up, or or did you start back up doing your your workshops? And you, and you've also done a, like a like a a master's level, or is that not not just trying to get people to to build their first five minutes? But yeah, how did you continue to do that, or what? I just talk um, about your master level. I I took like a couple of days off. Because I it's like that, I was so in love with that space. Yeah. And then uh, Billy Umble from Empire called me. He said, oh, that sucks. Come on over here. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to say it wasn't ideal because it was like Jazz Mondays or something. So, yeah. like, right around you get the first hour, you know, you got him on work, and I was like, doop, 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 And I would just ignore it. And I, but anyway, I found a space pretty quickly but at that point i had built up quite a sort of a, a pack of comics right so you uh tuck johnny yader uh karen and then like uh, nelly edwards i'm trying to think of people that you um kate yeah kate Maloney. Okay. yeah we would go like uh nelly had this place out in yarmouth and we would go i do workshops out there at the, at the coffee house mm-hmm. uh-huh. they were so much fun yeah. And it was really like, we just like meet once a week, and it was like twenty five bucks, um, and I, I would we laugh so hard, but we get a lot done. Like Johnny Ader would walk in, he go, "Well, I got, uh, I got twenty five premises." <laughs> <laughs> he every week. Oh my god! And that fucker would walk out with like three, like in the bucket. Jeez, fully cool. done. Tuck and Kate would go at it for an hour, just like tease each other and they both walk out with brand new bits Ugh. karen you know her work ethic oh yeah like she'd walk in and go i need five new jokes yep and she'd walk out with five new jokes Damn. great so, wow um and that That's was a- super like informal and fun yeah you know it was uh no pressure no pressure i i god that's a that's a wet dream right there to <laughs> go do that every week with heavy hitters like but that. i would i i think there is a yeah. there's potential there i think there's enough mm. people that are interested there's a discipline to it yep. and it's not just like a regular you know, 
we've been not, we've been trying to do stuff like that though. Yeah, as much as as much as like we get on ourselves about not spending enough time writing, but when we're actually gathered, when there's like five or six of us, you know, in a room or or even over a, a Zoom lately, you we you do realize or oh, we're, this is this is where we're actually most productive right. when we have right. five people, right. you know, poking each other right. to say, okay, change this, change right. that, or this is good. Right. The the premise that those guys are operating on is if we hire Tim and pay him a nominal fee, it forces us. Like, yep, right. got, we're showing up once a week. We know we got to be here. Yep. I got to cough him 25 bucks. Yep. Tim's, what is Tim's <laughs> point of view? Yep. I'm not putting myself on stage. I want all of you to succeed. So yep. I'm batting for all of you. So great. Um, we but, all really appreciate that, by the way. Well, <laughs> Speaking on behalf of anyone who's ever worked with you. I, I don't want I just don't want shitty comedy out there. I really, I'm serious. Like that like it really like when you guys are asking me for about what do you think about the comedy scene? Like I can't control it. I am a very like I want to oversee it all on some level. Um, but you're all big boys. But that, that you you just know when a shit show happens that oh, who's gonna come back? Yep. And you know, I just want I want people to be thoughtful about it a little bit. So yeah, I get it. I get it. Understandable. Well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll carry that torch. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we like to end our interviews with a, a segment called "Curse the Darkness," and there's a there's a Chinese idiom that goes, uh, "I'd rather light a candle than curse the darkness." So it means like, oh, let me, I'll I'll do something about this issue instead of just bitching about it. Um, but in in opposition to that, we'd like you to actually curse the darkness instead. So if you can. Talk about something you want to complain about that you don't have any plans on actually doing anything about. Uh, like, uh, you, know, you don't want to burn any calories to, to fix anything, but, but uh, I'm going to have fun complaining about this. So we like to, we like to end our interviews on a, on a high note. <laughs> it's a therapeutic yeah. <laughs> exercise. <laughs> so is this like, because I walk every day, but if you ever catch me counting my fucking steps, please shoot me. <laughs> is that? Because I, I do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But when people... Say, oh, you walk, oh, yeah, and they go... How many steps you do today? No, they go 10? <laughs> million? I, no, but that really, like, I, it's a weird thing to me. So yeah. that's mine. Fuck you. I like... <laughs> why? why I, I like, like walking. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. But they don't count if you're, unless you're counting them, though. I mean, that's, the, that's the problem. Well, there it is. Yeah. Just like, just there like it, calories, too. There right? it is. <laughs> I just went for a walk, and the first response is, "Did you count something when you walked?" Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, I forgot. Oh. <laughs> Did you bring your smartphone or your smartwatch uh, with you? I could so. probably do better. I don't like when you launch these things. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. Uh, no, that's, that's perfect. Good. We've that's talked good. quite a bit. So. That's good. Right. Appreciate your time. Sure. I, yeah. yeah this right. was, unless there's something else that you have that you have to get off your chest, but uh, no. Well, I can't read. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, might as well let everyone know that. Been pulling that off for quite a while. <laughs> That's it pretty well for it's, a, it's one of the businesses where you don't have to officially be able to read, but you oh, can kind of pretend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, it's better when I'm, it's better when you do it out loud. Go ahead. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll follow along as you. Yeah, let me just hear you uh, do this. <laughs> All, right. All right, this oh is fun. Thank, thank you, you Tim. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much, Tim. Thank, thank you.
That was uh, Tim Farrell, everyone. Thanks so much for for tuning in to this episode of Comedy Think Tanked. Uh, It was a great, great time catching up with Tim. Um, I really enjoy uh, hearing all his stories. Yep. Uh, Keep an eye out for Tim's workshops. Really can't recommend it enough. He does a fantastic job of uh, teaching people who are new and old in, in comedy, and it's it's really a good experience to, to take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, they're hit or miss. I mean, it, it only happens every couple times a year maybe, um, but uh, if, if you get a chance, him or anyone else really, like, you know, check out workshops. They're, they're, they're invaluable when it comes to stand-up comedy and, and, uh, and what have you, so. Sure. Awesome. Thanks again to everyone who listened. Tell your friends and follow Comedy Think Tanked wherever you can. Be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at Comedy Think Tanked, Twitter at Comedy Tanked, and our website, ComedyThinkTanked.com. Email us at ComedyThinkTanked at gmail.com. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for... <laughs> Thanks for I listening. Think, I think you did a great job. I think you're great. Yeah. No, I, I really They call don't. me One Take Kimball. One Take Kimball. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Music was written and produced by a minor, Ralph Bergfeld. No comedians were hurt in the production of this podcast. All audio snippets of actual funny punchlines were not written or performed by any of us or our subsidiaries. Rather, they are express written bits of professionals we admire. Let the civil actions be filed. Any opinion heard, actual or implied, is that of the comedy think tank producers and their guests. Any slight, insult, affront, slur, disparaging remark, snub, rebuff, rejection, or spurning, no matter how derogatory, pejorative, or abusive you may feel it is, was not intended, but for comedic, entertaining purposes only. Thanks for listening. I wonder how many people listen through to it. I, I wonder if they, everyone's kind of caught on. The listeners who do listen, I wonder if they've caught on that there's a gag. It's fucking the better. It's fucking better. Hard. For how much I sweat and stress over what to put there, it's mm-hmm. like it's like your outros. When you gave me that shit about not using that question mark yeah. on Brian Plum, yeah. I'm the same way with the, <laughs> with the outro. Like thinking about what's going to be there and yep. editing it. Like, oh, this one's like 20 seconds long, but oh, it's a really nice moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, we are making fun of this. And oh, someone's got to hear this. Oh, this is awesome. Fuck, no one's listening to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Piece of shit, goddamn motherfucker. Goddamn it, sons of bitches. <laughs>